Studio by Daphne Ng. Did I get that right in my pronunciation? Yep. Near enough. Yeah. Daphne, welcome. Hi, Graham. It's good to have you here. We're going to talk about Jupiter Chain. We're going to talk about Jed Trade. Obviously, that's where you're from. Um, and also the problem that you're solving with Jupiter Chain mm -hmm. and how you got to that point. Mm -hmm. The why behind that journey as well, as well as your, your current fundraise and what lies on the other side, the future for Jupiter Chain and what you're doing. Maybe, maybe you can start, Daphne, by telling us a little bit about what exactly Jupiter Chain is, without getting too technical at this stage, so we'll dive in a little bit on the technology side later on. Mm, okay, so um, can I start from JetTrade then? Yes, okay. please. So, um, so I'm the CEO of JetTrade as well as Jupiter Chain. So Jupiter Chain is a blockchain project mm. that is backed by the same team behind JetTrade. So JetTrade itself, we are a technology company um, based in Singapore about for about two years, and we are focusing on uh, digitization projects uh, for our clients in Asia mainly in lending and um, supply chain financing. Mm -hmm. So um, Jupiter Chain came about because uh, when we were actually building the ecosystems on the ground, um, you know, we wanted to actually build a more scalable uh, network and infrastructure that will enable us to connect the dots that we already mm -hmm. had. So that was what, um, you know, actually brought us to um, create um, Jupiter Chain. Right. And you said you're focused on ASEAN. Is that your main focus in business? So the Southeast Asian countries? Yes. Yeah, so we started in Singapore, um, mm. building our enterprise solutions um, on uh, with innovations in blockchain, mm. and then uh, later part of last year, and then we started going out to ASEAN, um, Vietnam, Philippines, Malaysia, uh, where we targeted a lot of these kind of uh, micro economies or emerging right. markets, where we build out digitization um, kind of technologies, for example, lenders. Mm -hmm. So um, we actually wanted to go into these markets with a very very targeted um, focus on building solutions around pain points, which is fragmented data, mm -hmm. um, low digitization, and very manual processes. So that's right. what brought us to actually do, um, you know, these projects. Right. So Jupiter Chain span out of JetTrade. Yes. Okay. And so explain to me what exactly it is. Yeah, so, you know, in a, in a high level point of view, um, Jupiter Chain is what we call a smart consentable data exchange, mm -hmm. a decentralized kind of a data exchange network. We wanted to actually create uh, an equitable marketplace for data mm -hmm. where data owners themselves can be equitably rewarded for contributing their data, mm -hmm. but most importantly, in a privacy preserving manner. Right. So, what kind of data would that be? Um, so, we started with this concept um, wanting to actually improve and build uh, micro borrowers kind of credentials on a network to actually enable transparency and trustworthiness of this data. Mm. So a lot of this data pertains to your own individual data, you as a person, your identity and your credentials, and how you're able to actually contribute it in a meaningful manner to assess tailored solutions. Right. For example, healthcare, uh, financial services, or even insurance. So we started from that point of view. Right. Yeah. Micro borrowers, what, what is that? So if we talk about one of our use case, which is uh, just one of them, which is in uh, financial services. Mm. So like in the developed markets like Singapore, we're talking about normal borrowers, right? All of us has a bank account or 
two or three. Right. So micro borrowers are what we call the micro, um, they are actually served by the micro lenders or micro finance mm-hmm. institutions. So whereby the loan quantums are smaller um, and they are actually paying via a very structured um, payment structure and they may not also have a lot of like um, credit worthiness in their, right. in their records. Yeah. Okay. So especially in these markets, the ASEAN markets, this is an issue. So where you talk about micro borrowers, mm. you're talking about... Are these can I can I use the word the the poor people? Are these sort of like the bot, the next billion, or is this a different market entirely? Um, I, I, I could say that I mean of course um, you know when we talk about financial inclusion, there's mm. a lot of talk about unbanked. But to me, my definition actually is much wider. Yeah. I would call it for the masses, um, anyone that does not actually have adequate access to um, you know, even more tailored financial um, products and services. Mm. So for example, let's say you and me, and let's say my, my income is like, let's say $600 and yours is $1,000. Um, my repayment structure and my loan quantum actually should be different and tailored to me. Mm. Um, and giving me more money does not actually get me out of the poverty. So this is where we want to actually do a lot of analytics, machine learning and AI to see how we could actually actually impact the lives and improve the credentials um, of this um, right. um, underserved segment. Right, so th- this data is useful to the lenders as much as it is to who? Who else would be sort of in that sort of chain, that value chain of people serving this? Yeah, so so while we were actually building out, the, it was, it's a very interesting um, question because while we were actually building out for our use case, we realized that as we delve further into the research and development of it, our vision actually became much bigger because we actually found the importance of um, consenting data hmm. and preserving the privacy of the data. So that's where we, when we started building out, um, Jupiter Chain actually became bigger in terms of vision. Hmm. Um, and we realized that it was actually more like a multi-use case kind of scenario. You know, we wanted to actually create um, data access models so that we will also enable like SDKs and downloads for mm-hmm. even our solution providers to actually build on top um, of our network as well. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what is the problem here that you're effectively what's the pain point yeah. of the consumers or even the institutions serving those consumers yeah. that you're addressing yeah so 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 I give you an example mm. of how we will actually deploy the smart contract so example one of the use case it could be a data assessor model for, so for example if I'm a lender and I wanted to actually um, assess your data in order to actually give you a very tailored um, um, product that will actually enable you to pay um, but at the same time not eat into your income for example right so if I want to actually deploy this smart contract I do not actually need to see the granular data of your um, credentials Mm -hmm. or your identity but I'm actually able to have a credit score back that is meaningful enough for me to evaluate and give you out the loan so that is one um, use case that we think that might be actually very interesting. Um, the other one actually stems from my own experience. So, um, you know, we work with, I mean, we speak to a lot of data analytics companies wanting to also understand different segments of people in different countries. So one of the use case could actually be some sort of like a data subscription service via the smart contract, whereby if I'm a data analytics company, I can deploy this like a middleman mm-hmm. to actually send out this, you know, to a segment of people and to actually deploy disburse the rewards directly to you 
for contributing your data. Right. Um, you know, where, uh, without having to actually see the granular data out of it. Right. Yeah. So we actually found this, um, you know, very powerful because what we're talking about is, you know, nobody actually ha is a custodian to the data, but everyone actually has the right to actually manage and control your own data. Mm. Yeah. Why would that actually be beneficial to me mm. as a consumer mm. to consent and mm. give you that data what would be the reward that i'd get out of that yeah so i think um, as the as how we're actually moving towards regulations and towards um, data privacy mm. um the, the spirit of uh, blockchain and decentralization actually it's a very powerful tool to actually enable you to have um you know the the right control over your own personal mm. data as well as the intended use and purpose of it and why not and and why should any centralized database be actually have ownership of your data mm -hmm. and monetize it only for their own use um, you know we, we found this I mean for all a lot of our blockchain applications we found this to actually uh, to be a very useful and powerful proposition mm. um, that when actually applied in the right use cases can actually bring about a lot of benefits directly to the data owners right yeah. so can we look at what is out there in the market today so if we look at those centralized stores of data which for example a lender might use mm -hmm. like a, an Experian or a Geico mm -hmm. for example they would give all that information to the lender mm -hmm. and they can go quite granular and they have a lot of information that we don't know mm -hmm. that they have right they mm -hmm. have access to a lot of databases mm -hmm. out there is what you're suggesting mm. directly a solution to that model? Because it's a very sort of top-down, mm. centralized model. Mm. You're, you're trying to, in, in a way, allow, give people the confidence to consent to their data, mm. but at the same time, mm. not have the ability to trace that back to an individual or to... Um, what I'm trying to say is that the lender can't have like really personal data on you without actually saying yeah, that's you. Yeah, so, so what we're trying to pro um, be a proponent of is that we are really actually um, applying blockchain in a way that we want to enable democracy of mm. the ownership of your own data. And my response is always, why not? Why can't we have that, right? right. Um, you know, the, the way that uh, blockchain is moving, the way that innovation is moving is... It, it is like the future is now. It's not really rocket science that mm. we're going to think about how we are able to have a new paradigm shift of how we're going to manage and control um, each other's data. And why mm. do you actually need to know my granular data when all you really want to have is the outcome of what you want to achieve? Right. Yeah. Is that the case for lenders? Is Are they better off just not knowing that information? Are they, do they have to know all that kind of granularity to, you know, understand the risk involved in a certain customer? Um, in, in the traditional kind of, if you're talking about the traditional kind of credit scoring model, yeah. then yeah, maybe they want to know everything about you know what actually they need to input as a risk-weighted asset for their own assessment. Hmm. But I think uh, for us, what we actually really believe is that as a data owner, not just a data owner, but for me as a person, if I'm able to actually have a network that I'm able to tap on, right. and at the same time, I can also assess a lot of other innovative um, you know, uh, products and services, whether it's financial products and services or healthcare or lifestyle. Um, and that, that is also very interesting because what we are trying to build is also a level playing field for the smaller entrants who hmm. are really innovative, could be innovative fintech solution providers, um, 
who are able to actually customize a lot of products and services to an individual, but they are not able to compete, right. you know, in a market where data is all locked up with the large incumbents. Yeah. Um, so this is really what we are trying to achieve with Jupiter Chain. Mm. Um, and we really believe that um, what we're actually having a competitive advantage on is our research and R&D on the privacy preserving analytics. Mm. So, so that is the one that we're going to actually focus a lot of our R&D on. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about some of the use cases then. Mm. We've already sort of mentioned, for example, like your the, the inclusive part mm. of the financial mm. solutions. How would it affect people on a day-to-day basis? Where would this actually come into play? Where would be the products and services that would be touched by what you're doing? Yeah, so one, of course, one is financial services. Um, m- many things. So I'll give you an example. So we have a couple of partnerships um, that are ongoing as well. Um, so one of them is with a gig sharing economy so it's a portal for freelancers for mm-hmm. example uh, you know so you know freelancers don't actually have very structured kind of benefits that a salaried employee has mm-hmm. um, and that's where uh, we partner in a sense that our smart consentable data layer can actually be applied you know for all their um, members who are on their network to be able to also consent their data to other service providers in order to actually get uh, you know a, a better um, credit rating for right, example yeah. for, for borrowing or even um, you know better social social kind of benefits uh, from there mm. so that is also one of the um, ecosystem partner that we have so if you look at it um, what we could actually see is a lot of um, partnerships that we're going to have um, even in the social network mm. kind of arena you know where I want to actually have access um, you know to, to, to somebody's um, you know data it even could be for analysis purpose Hmm. um, and I'm able to actually reach you directly reward you directly but not even have um, you know any um, you know privacy being actually not uh, being actually used for any unintended purpose Hmm. yeah if you were to take just that example like the gig sharing yeah and you took the ASEAN region Mm. I mean especially if you went to places like the Philippines for example where It seems that every other person is is on Upwork or one of those oh, sort of yeah. gig sharing platforms. Yeah, yeah. They're either a VA or they're doing outsourced yeah. digital work, yes. and you have probably the lack of established, uh, you know, credit rating yes. agencies there. Yes. This must be like the you know the sweet spot for you, surely, yes. that you have this a, a very large population of people who have money. Mm. They have a need mm. for financial products and services. Mm yet they don't sort of conform to the traditional career paths. You know, they maybe have like four or five different contracts on at the same time. So is is that the kind of like area that you see particularly where this may work first? Yeah, this is one of the applications. So we, what I would call that our network is very much focused on building a kind of data assess model Mm. um, where we are also enabling, you know, the smart contracts to all the toolkits to actually be deployed um, by solution providers who want to actually have a tool to actually assess the data of a new market that they never had. So um, what we're actually building is also, I mean, leading on to that is what we are called, we call it a federated blockchain model, whereby we will actually be building on local chains for our local ecosystems, Mm -hmm. um, and then also linking them up ultimately via the Jupyter chain mainnet. so what we want to actually achieve is also the exchange of data and value across mm. localities in the end. Um, you know, I find a very um, important 
um, angle for a lot of the data and research um, analytics companies because they also told me that one of the pain points is that they can never actually have access to the direct data mm. of what they actually need as well. Mm. Yeah, it, everything is all aggregated data at the moment. Right, yeah. yeah. Interesting. I mean, some of the words that you've used, Daphne, I find quite interesting. You talk about democratizing data. Mm. Data and ownership. Data ownership, sorry. So it's not a phrase that you can use lightly. It carries a lot of weight in terms of, you know, the implications of what that means. Mm. So how did you get into this? Why is this something that for you is a personal passion? It's something you care about. Mm. How did you get into that? What was the background that led to that? Yeah, so I think for this question, I will answer it on behalf of my team. So uh, my team is made out of um, a few of our co-founders, mm-hmm. um, not we just me. We can get me. that up on the, uh, just flash that up on, I think your team's there on ah, the, the website. So really? We can just scroll through what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So go for it. Yeah. You could have told me I could tell them to be live, you know, in office. Yeah. <laughs> and say hello. There's too many moving parts in the technology there, so Okay, so talk us through. You, your co-founders, so their backgrounds are including yourself. Oh, okay, you have that picture. Yeah. Okay, Yeah, so um, our team is made up of, um, I would say, 80% tech or even 90% tech. Uh-huh. One of our co-founders there is not there. Um, so um, very much our co-founders, they are very um, technical focused. Um, you know, they come from the blockchain um, background yeah. as well as the um, security background. So, you know, with the combination of that and, um, you know, our, my domain in um, finance, um, mm-hmm. lending, supply chain um, you know we found a very um, interesting proposition to actually apply blockchain in mm-hmm. a very workable manner mm-hmm. so from day one when we actually envisioned Jupiter chain this year and we wrote out a white paper is very much with one single focus of operationalizing blockchain right we've got your white paper there as well maybe we can flash that up so if people want to go and check out so what I mean by operationalizing it is we want to actually have a model that works mm-hmm. that we're able to go to market mm-hmm. and we never left that vision actually yeah. because Excellent. that's our strength yeah, yeah well so you have a team which is obviously from a technical background mm-hmm. you're from a finance background as well you said so what were you doing before this in finance so i was 10 years um specializing in trade and supply chain mm-hmm. finance yeah um so very much right now i'm also doing a lot of lectures and teaching mm-hmm. on um applications of blockchain in supply chain and finance right. okay and it's always this same topic that's the only thing i know yeah right well that's great i mean if it's something you know and you can double down on because it's your speciality yeah right? and to answer your your earlier question you know how we got to that it's also you know our cto dr ernie Teo, mm-hmm. um you know he, he came from the um, research background in blockchain from mm-hmm. very early on as well um you know he had um stints in uh, ibm you know he has saw different use cases yeah. um both workable and not wo- non workable um the other co-founder um Zhe chong you know 15 years in the security space been there done that you know mm. went through the pki space even before we know we, we coined the term blockchain so very much when we came about doing this you know we had the vision that we want to actually build something that revolves around a meaningful use case that yeah. is applicable from day one Excellent. So before I ask you about your current raise, Daphne, Mm. let's just um, talk a little bit about the um, you, you did uh, talk about the technology side and you talked about for example your partners in the ecosystem. Mm. And I'm just curious to know is that do they get it? Do the not necessarily your partners, but when you talk to some of the companies that may have been in that ecosystem of finance from your previous life if you may, um, that you know, banks, 
you know, financial companies, financial services, products, do they get it? When you talk to them, are they coming on board with this? Are you finding that some are moving at different speeds to others? What, what's your sort of response so far when you go and talk about in the terms that you've couched it in, like sure. democracy of data ownership? Sure. Are they on board with that? Yeah, um, I can answer you this in two in a two prong approach. I mean, from the value proposition point of view, um, I think it's uh, what we had so far in terms of feedback is that they actually see, okay when, when we first started in May, um, it, it was actually okay in March actually March April when we started contracts conceptualizing it it actually started during like the Facebook saga and yeah. things like that when I was talking to Ernie about it um, he was also also coming up with the notion that hey actually what we are building is actually even more important than our, in, than our initial use cases mm-hmm. um, so the feedback so far was great in March and now as we move forward it's even better now mm-hmm. um, when we started um, no, uh, building the awareness of Jupiter chain right now we found that our competitive advantage is in our focus on privacy preserving mm-hmm. you know it's not even about zero proof it's about how you actually preserve the privacy um, and retaining the rights to it only in the hands of the data owner so mm-hmm. when we do the data encryption we always call it that we're going to persistently encrypt it nobody has access to look at it I can't even see it as a platform. So this is what we're actually going to focus our R&D mm. on. That's one. The other thing is the feedback is strong, mainly because of the team. Uh, we are um, quite known in Singapore, um, in ASEAN as well, um, for execution capabilities or from our previous track record. So um, there is a lot of, um, I wouldn't say hype, I would say hope mm-hmm. in what we are trying to achieve. There's a lot of support in that as well. Um, we just started our English um, Telegram channel. Um, we are trying to expand to the Japanese and um, Chinese channel soon as well. And I'll update you on that as well. Yeah. Okay, good. Let's talk about your or your soon-to-be ICO. What's the situation? You're going through a current private token round. Can you talk us a little bit about what's happening now with yeah. your raise? So I can't give you the specifics of the private round. Mm-hmm. So r- r- right now we're in our private allocation. Um, our public sale will only be in around September, October. Mm-hmm. this year um, we already have some notable um, funds and partners um, already on board our um, project mm-hmm. and we are actually going to do a couple of more announcements um, every week on the new investors coming on board but very much our focus is not so much about the race um, although it's yes uh, we are in it right now but it's very much finding strategic investors mm-hmm. who are able to actually value add to what we are doing in terms of advice technical advice um, in terms of market reach and in terms of um, helping us add on more ecosystem partners as well. Okay, yeah. I'm looking at the data here. I don't know if this is if this is up to date, but it says here you're fu- you've got a fundraising goal of 22.3 million US for your ICO. There's no date set for that. Do we have any sort of a rough idea of when that will take place? Yeah, around September, October September. for the public sale, yeah. Okay, so the public sale September, October, 22 million. And what will you do with that money? What will that get? you for Jupiter chain? So that is, uh, so 22.3 is actually calculated based on what we require. It, uh, the digital assets race is going to be governed under a foundation mm-hmm. that will actually um, steward how we are going to use the funds, which is also in the white paper. Um, this is a, a three to five year kind of a runway that we have. Um, and it is based on how we actually going to plan out our um, development milestones. So this year, um, Q4, we are already planning to um, deploy and test out our local chains. 
And then the second half of next year, we want to also start testing and deploying our Jupyter Chain mainnet as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Good. And expanding the team as well. I'm sure the biggest challenge beyond raising funds is getting good people. Mm. It's always a challenge for a startup. Mm. And how do you... Uh, firstly, how do you get people to, how do you get the right people? Because yeah. it's also a chance that there must be a lot of technical people out there, but you want people who match the culture of your company. Yes. So I'm sure some of those may be listening or watching today. Yes. How do you appeal to them? What do you want them to know about you as a company? Mm-hmm. And therefore, what kind of people are you looking for? Yeah. Uh, so to be honest, um, we actually have a lot of people wanting to join us. Um we are a young company, I would say. Um, I am, for me as a leader, um, very much my team is very empowered. Mm-hmm. Um, I would call it decentralized. Sometimes I cannot find anyone, but it's okay because I know that everyone is like you know busy with their own roles. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of new roles, um, we are hiring heavily, as you would know, in the blockchain um, technical space. I do not go exactly specifically to look for blockchain developers, Mm. but I go for good um, full-stack developers who have a passion for blockchain, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Um, Because from the way we see how the technology is moving, um, it's important to actually have the right mindset to actually be able to innovate, but as well be able to unwind and rewind whatever Mm. that is not working. So, And we find that as the most challenging part when we run a technology company because it will never go according to what you want on mm-hmm. the first round but being able to really have the grit to actually you know pick it up and then you know to to, to restart it over again yeah. uh, and that that's really led by my other co-founders um, you know Zichong and Ernie mm-hmm. um, looking at how we're going to build a very strong dev team not just in Singapore but we also have a uh, partner company in China as well mm-hmm. yeah so if people are in China you'd be interested to hear from them as well yeah of course okay so you talk about mindset what sort of mindset really are you looking for are you looking for people who come from the blockchain world or people from the world of finance what would be interesting to you so uh, right now in terms of roles it's very much all the technical roles Mm. but as a team as a whole in terms of culture i always look for people with the right values Mm. um, and being resourceful and um, having the the right kind of um, responsible mindset to actually help the team so I have a very, very good team. I always tell everyone, um, and that's because everyone tries to actually help everyone do their work better. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can only really see, you know, the true spirit and execution capabilities of a team in a crisis. Mm-hmm. And trust me, we have a lot of crises happening in a, every day. <laughs> in a tech company. Yeah, yeah, every day. Um, something is down, something is not up, um, something yeah. not according to timeline. But that's okay because that is where you see the true character yeah. of a team being able to deliver. Well, excellent. Daphne, thank you very much for coming today. Thanks, and by Kevin. the way, Daphne brought in a, a t-shirt, so let's not let's not leave that out. So unveil the t-shirt, please, Daphne. Let's have a look. Yeah, so. that's for you. So I brought an M and L. It depends whether you want it to be tight-fitting or... <laughs> <laughs> well, as I get older, they tight-fit by default, I think. Oh, there we go. So there we go. JupiterChain.tech. So there you go. Free advertising. Oh, Fantastic. You have to wear it, yeah. I have to wear it. Well, I'm not going to get undressed on air will scare away the viewers but thank you very much for coming today and your white paper's there on your website as well yes and um, keep us updated because I think you know 
it's it's a real journey as well i mean you know the way you're the, the speed at which you're growing and the the projects that you're involved in we would love to get an update at some point in the future yeah. see how you're going on the other side of your ico or mm. whatever happens in the future please yep. come back and update us yeah. and deliver us some new news from the world of blockchain and jupiter chain especially happy to be invited again yeah. daphne thank and you very much give me some muffins next time also. we're working on it <laughs> daphne everybody ceo of Jupiter Chain and also Jed Trade. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks, Graham.